funny how the sun will shine. Welcome back to the Mountaineer Podcast, where everybody's listening. I'm Cynthia Davis. Today, we have a special mini episode to kick off the new year. First, correspondent Jamie Lammers talks to local musician Eric Stone. Eric tells us more about his music, and we find out where to catch his next show. Then, we end with a little information about some exciting new developments taking place this year with the Mountaineer podcast. But first, here's Jamie. Hello, my name is Jamie Lammers, and this is my interview with local musician Eric Stone. My name is Eric Richard Stone, and I am a songwriter living in Nederland, Colorado, and originally from the East Coast, Philadelphia area, around Pennsylvania and and went to college in Vermont and spent a lot of time on the main coast as well. That's where I first started playing music back in the 70s. So I'm not really a spring chicken, I guess. I've been doing this music thing for a long time, but I had a 30-year career in natural resources management and wildlife biology. So I kind of put it aside for about 30 years while I raised a family and had that career and then decided to come back to music. I hear that you are performing at Very Nice Brewing very soon. Is that correct? Yeah. Susan and Jeff, usually we have a pretty regular monthly gig there, either myself solo or with my duo partner, Tom Hall, or possibly as a trio now with a bass player by the name of Patty Walter, who lives in Boulder. And Tom Hall lives here and plays mandolin. And he's also a great songwriter. And we've been performing together now for about, I think, going on about 10 years. How did you personally get started in music? What was some of your background in getting started, and how did you end up deciding that music was what you really wanted to do? Oh, gosh. Well, I come from a musical family, but a classical one. My extended family includes some of the original faculty at the Curtis Institute of Music in Philadelphia, and also they started the Bay Chamber Concert Series on the main coast, mostly violinists and pianists and flautists, some opera singers in the bunch, but it was a sort of classical introduction to music and I went to a small school, Quaker school in Philadelphia called Germantown Friends School that had a really well-developed music program and I sang in the choir and I was taking musical theory classes in high school and I decided then around my sophomore, junior year that I really wanted to start writing songs because I was a singer but I didn't play any instruments I dabbled with the cello a little bit for a couple of years, but gave that up. And I really wanted to play guitar, and I was drawn more to folk music, the likes of James Taylor and Jim Croce and Dan Fogelberg and Joni Mitchell, Tom Rush. Spent some time going to folk music clubs in and around the Philadelphia area and up in Vermont and on the coast of Maine, which had a real vibrant folk music scene. So in high school, I decided I wanted to start writing songs, and I was in music theory class and everybody else was playing instruments to be able to write songs with and it was a little cheaper more affordable and more portable certainly to take up the guitar than the piano so I taught myself to play the guitar bought my first guitar in high school and wrote my first song in 1975 played my first paying gig in a bar in Philadelphia in 1976 
And that same summer, started playing at a bar in Vermont where I had a summer job. And that's what kind of got me started. In regards to playing live, what has kind of stuck out to you about being able to play live and share music with an audience like that? Well, there's really two aspects of it for me. One is to be an entertainer and to bring music to people who enjoy that style of music. But the other is, is also to tell a story, entertain by telling a story. And my songs, if they work correctly, they're either telling a story on their own or they're telling of an emotion or a feeling or some kind of emotional content that can be related to for the audience members. And it doesn't always happen that way. A lot of times when you're starting out, you're playing in bars and you're basically just background music and a lot of times the audiences aren't listening that much. But I've been very fortunate to be able to be selective about where I want to play based on having an audience that I can interact with. So rather than just being in front of an audience and playing music while they're talking about the World Cup soccer match they just saw or the state of the world, it's nice to have an audience who you can interact with as a performer. And I've found that to be the case very much at Very Nice Brewing and some of the other venues that I play at pretty regularly. And now I get to play on some bigger stages and festivals. We're going to be playing at some big festivals this summer. And then you're on a stage and the audience is paying to come see you play. So you're not just the musical entertainment in a bar anymore. It's great to be able to play concert kind of venues. What are some memorable experiences that have kind of come out of being able to perform in that kind of setting and perform for an audience? Well, I've been really lucky to have gotten to know other musicians along the way. I first started off in Durango, Colorado as a high school teacher after college, and I opened for a guy by the name of Utah Phillips. Bruce Phillips was a pretty well-known folk singer, an elderly statesman of the craft, I'd say. And I opened for him, and I remember him giving me some really good advice as a performer in the early days of my performing. And then I moved around a bit during grad school and ended up in Jackson Hole playing at a sort of regular weekly thing called the Jackson Hole Hootenanny. And that's where I met John Denver and Chuck Pyle and quite a few other better known musicians and got to interact with them. And a pretty famous folk singer by the name of Tom Rush lived just down the road from me. And I got to spend some time with him and learn some things from him as a performer. And then I had a family and and raised some kids and kids grew up and moved away and I went back to performing again and I was writing songs all along the way but not really sure I'd be able to play them in a performance situation but when I came back to music again I had some great experiences being able to connect with the folks down the road in Lyons, Colorado Planet Bluegrass and I got to perform on the main stage of Rocky Mountain Folks Festival and I got to perform at a really nice songwriting festival up in Red Lodge, Montana for three days called the the Red Lodge Songwriter Festival, and this year we're going to perform down in Pagosa Springs at the Pagosa Folk and Bluegrass Festival on the main stage, and I got involved with the folks at Folk West who are the owners of that festival, and now I've changed hands to KSCT, and I've been on their staff and have helped them put on that festival for quite a few years now, and both Tom, Paul, and I perform there quite regularly. So it's been a lot of great highlights, and it just gets better every year. I see no end to it. I like the 
being able to share my music with whoever I can. And what do you hope that audience members will be able to take away when they come and see you perform live? Well, right now, playing with Tom, we have a whole lot of fun performing, and we hope that energy of our having fun performing with each other translates to the fun that the audience gets out of it, too. We call it stagecraft. That's sort of the professional name given to not just singing a song, not just the musical aspects of it, but also the way you introduce a song or the banter between us, between songs, sometimes even during a song, we have this banter back and forth that we plan on and put into our act. It's a whole performance. It's not just playing a song and the musical aspects of it. But we have so much fun playing together that I think the audience also has fun with us watching us play. We also put a lot of energy into our vocal harmonies and how we arrange the songs that we play. We both write songs and so again the songs themselves have interesting stories to tell, interesting emotions to share with the audience. Sometimes sad, sometimes happy, sometimes goofy and silly and we just hope our audience takes all of that fun stuff home with them. And what do you think is your favorite part about being able to write songs and share them with people and be able to get out your creativity in that way. That's my art. The performance is a really separate issue for me. The performance is a lot of fun, but the creating of an artwork is how I view writing a song. And when you put words, melody, the instrumentation behind the melody together, and the arrangements for that piece of art all together, it makes me really proud to then present that to an audience later on. I've also, at this point now, I've got my partner, Laura's here too. I, is it eight CDs? <laughs> Maybe. I don't, I don't know. I think I've got eight CDs recorded now, and it kind of feels like a pretty good collection of work for an artist who's about to turn 65 years old. It's like being a painter. If you were a painter or a sculptor, you'd be able to show the world your collective works of art, and that's how I view my songs. Is there just anything else in general about performances coming up or about your songs or about anything else that you want to add? Well, I'm in between CDs, so I've got a few songs written for the next one. I'm going to take my time this time. During the pandemic, a lot of my fellow songwriters felt as though they were kind of constipated and nothing was coming out. It was just this horrible feeling of dread and a lot of songwriter friends were telling me they couldn't write anything because they just felt so horrible. I don't know how it happened, but I ended up with three CDs in two years worth of original songs. So I had the opposite. I wasn't constipated. I guess you could call it songwriting diarrhea or something, but the songs <laughs> just sort of poured out of me. A lot of them out of the angst of coming out of the racial tensions of the Black Lives Matter movement then into the pandemic and political upheaval during the early days of the pandemic and through the election and maybe out of the 2020 election, even more songs. So I was gushing with songs like a river and spring snow melt or something like that. They just kept flowing out of me. And so it felt really good for the last year to take time off from songwriting, to allow myself to just experience life and be able to perform those songs more and work on my performances more. And I've got a few songs in the works. Some I've finished and started recording already, but I'm going to probably take my time with this next CD, and I expect to have another CD probably ready in a year or two. But right now, Tom and I and Patricia are going to be getting ready for a tour this spring and summer, and I think we'll really look forward to getting out on the road and traveling and performing in front of new audiences. So that's kind of what we're looking for. 
coming up. We'll always have our monthly gig at Very Nice Brewing. They've been really kind and generous to us, and we like to help them bring in a crowd and fill the place with both bodies and music, and so we're happy to play there once a month, and we also play locally at Howling Wind Brewery down the road in Rollinsville, so we'll certainly play locally always, but we're also looking forward to traveling. I think those are all the big questions that I have on my end. If you could do me a favor, maybe, and make a link to my website, that would be great, because that's where people can both find my music. You can always find my music on all the different streaming platforms, too, but it's best for me to have people connect directly with me, and they can keep up on where I'm playing by going to my website, which is ericrichardstone.com. And that way, people can see videos, they can listen to music, they can purchase music, they can see where I'm playing next and what my schedule is, and there's also a place to sign up for my email list and get my blog posts, which are usually monthly blog posts. Thank you so much for coming on board. This was really awesome. You're welcome. Thank you so much to Eric for coming on board and joining us for the podcast. If you want to see him perform live with fellow musician Tom Hall, you can catch them both at Very Nice Brewing Company, 20 Lakeview Drive, number 112 in Nederland, on Saturday, January 14th at 5 p.m. It's gentle rain that turns into a cyclone. Thank you, Jamie. And remember, Jamie also writes the weekly music column for the Mountaineer newspaper. Be sure to pick up a copy where you can read his latest Spotlight article and browse through the extensive list of shows he puts together each week. And that's it for this week's episode of the Mountaineer podcast, where everybody's listening. Starting January 9th, we will be releasing a new episode every Monday morning. You can expect a new host, more great interviews, and all the news from your neighborhood. I'm Cynthia Davis. Thank you for listening.